Curtis Bell of Ospreyshire, and I have been in touch by email, I guess, really for a couple of years. Yeah. Now we finally have a chance for a real talk. Thanks Definitely. for coming to The Antidote, Curtis. No problem, Dave. I'm sure you've been asked about the name Ospreyshire dozens of times. So what is it? You're <laughs> meshing nature with Tolkien? Tolkien? Okay. Uh, I mean, don't get wrong. Like, respect to Tolkien, but that's actually not how I came up with uh, Shire or Shire, if you want to talk in a British accent over there. Um, <laughs> not like that, though. I've been asked that multiple times. Um the name itself, Osprey Shire, really isn't like some grand statement as some people might suspect or having some sort of subversive meaning, though. I've actually wanted to use the name Osprey in some sort of project for some time. I just didn't know which format or how I would use that. And I guess one could say I was just doing the whole Portlandia way by putting a bird on it. We put birds on things. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm sorry, I just had to use that reference right over there. Um, but I thought having Shire as a suffix, kind of like how you see a lot of stuff in the UK, where it's like Oxfordshire or Devonshire or Oxfordshire or Devonshire, if you really want to be technical with the pronunciation. I thought like it'd be interesting like combining those words together, like maybe it's like uh, a certain piece of land where I guess it would be equivalent to a county or a state. I, I do forget my... Um, comparisons over there too so it can kind of like a fiefdom or some sort of area it's just more like fun combining words than some grandiose statement or artistic meeting to be honest with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe you should have just moved to england from illinois yeah maybe i mean i've wanted to visit the uk for the longest time though (laughs) (laughs) there all you've got to do is just put on the wings of an osprey and you're ready to go I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just like, um, shoot, I just want to reference that Driver 8 song, Sun Bitter, and yeah, 90s tooth and nail right over there. How the courses just fly away. <laughs> fly away, going fly away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're off to a weird start, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can be a little bit off the cuff sometimes, not going to lie. <laughs> I've got to tell you that you're probably the most unusual artist I've ever had on The Antidote. By being unusual, is that you, or is it just your art? Um, I would guess it's a little bit of both. I mean, I will admit, I'm pretty eccentric, and I'm pretty much off the beaten path. Even like my friends and family will tell you that and stuff. But I feel as though with the art aspect of uh, Ospreyshire, I just really want to do something that I've never done creatively before, and... And I know this is going to sound a little bit egotistical, but like maybe just do something more original. At the same time, I want to have some constraints on my creativity. With the first thing is not using guitars. I'm not sure if anyone's ever noticed that, though. But I want to use some instruments I've never used before. I mean, the Omnicord being a big one for a couple of tracks in the EP, for example. And I also wanted to try some irregular instruments. And also I wanted to go back to using acousmatics, like using found sound but able to manipulate it in different ways where it sounds completely foreign and abstract from what the original source was. That sounds like it's more work than actually playing an instrument. Yeah, I can, I can see the logic in that too. I mean, musically, I'm actually not doing some super complex stuff. So don't expect any like hope for the dying guitar solos or anything like that. Shout out to my fellow Illinoisans right over there. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I feel as though, Musically, like just the actual notation is heavily influenced by minimalism and post-minimalism where I'm not playing as many notes or like that many chords. So 
I just want to have like more of an atmosphere and not just because I don't want to make it oh simple to play because I feel as though with some of the stuff I'm doing especially with uh some of the stuff I put in compilations or even like my Kata Uta 52 project to some simple chords or simple um leads but using atypical chords like maybe uh D7 sustain 4 or whatever but I'll throw in some like regular major minor chords or progressions from time to time your recordings are spoken word but there really is an overlap between spoken word and poetry so how do you consider yourself are you a poet or a spoken word artist that's that's actually a really good question though I consider myself to be both I probably would lean a little bit closer to the poet side of the fence mainly because i feel like i've written more poems than i've actually performed or have spoken them out live though but even then that's been changing i've been writing lyrics and poems for a long time but i feel like writing lyrics i've probably done some since i was want to say like 11 12 years old somewhere in that uh time frame but i feel as though more recently, I think, especially after like being at Cornerstone and seeing some artists there, like let's just say Listener, Chris Bernstorff, um, Me Without You, or even seeing a lot of spirit, like the, which I off the first basement show I've ever seen was that band when I saw them in Chicago, like back when I was in college. Um, and even getting to more uh, stuff like Gil Scott Heron, um, Saul Williams, I want to do something like that. But I don't want to just have my voice. I want to add different things too. I guess I start with the acousmatics and then I just added whatever instruments that I wanted to use in that too. So I'm just a poet that actually has a bit of a soundtrack to him, so to speak. <laughs> and how does that soundtrack change the presentation of the spoken word? I personally think it gives it a new dynamic. I mean, the lyrics can actually work by themselves. And I've actually tried that uh, when I was at a poetry reading at my hometown's uh, poetry club that we meet at the library, where I actually did the uh, reanimation review number one that was on the, um, it was on the Grave Robber uh, compilation for uh, Wretched. It was that one, but except I did it, I guess for lack of a better term, I did it acapella over there and it was able to work just fine. But I feel like with a musical accompaniment, or at the very least with whatever soundscapes I can come up with, I feel like I can accentuate certain aspects of the emotion of the poem or even possibly like giving more of a shine to the words that I'm using or maybe the words can dictate what kind of a sound or what kind of a mood I am going for even if it's not obvious like at first or second listen. You're going to have to help me out with something because I've never been able to sort out how to define spoken word. I mean, is this music, is it audio art, or is it poetry? Hmm. You know, I actually, I legitimately never thought of it that way. Um, it's funny, because I feel like, I guess, me doing stuff in the studio, I guess it could be more audio art, because I'm doing, like, all these studio manipulations. Um, and I guess I haven't performed the songs, these poems, if you will, as, like, just my voice, just acapella, as much as... I want to, or or I could expect to. I feel like now that you, wow, you're really challenging my philosophy and how I do things. <laughs> no, and I really appreciate you asking that question. I can see so many defensible things about it being a form of audio art, like it's my take on poetry, adding a little bit of um, avant-garde stuff, acousmatics, uh, musique concrete, and like other movements of that nature. 
Something that does stand out about what you do is that it's also brief. I mean, oh, yeah. most of your pieces are less than a minute long. So you got to tell me, is Ospreyshire the Reader's Digest version of poetry? <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Let me just... Uh... Okay, let me just get that together. Reader's Digest, wow. <laughs> that is an interesting way to put it, though. Um, I hope I'm you don't take to... that as being insulting. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. Personally, I thought that question was funny, to be honest <laughs> with you. I personally don't think it's a Reader's Digest of poetry, because there are forms of poetry that are intentionally very small. Just look at the haiku, for example. Only three lines with a 575 syllabic form. But then you have other stuff like how I've been doing the Kata Uta 52 project literally for the past year, and I just finished it last week. Um, or even have like other shorter form, forms like uh, Tanka. You, you can probably tell I'm influenced by a lot of Japanese poetry at this point. But um, <laughs> Or even Sinquain, um, Ryuka, or even just basic things like a Triquain or a Sinquain. But I guess the whole brevity aspect isn't just because of some freeform poems i just happen to not use as many words or maybe i'm intentionally using a shorter structure or template of poetry this is going to sound a little bit weird though i feel like it's a little bit of a punk aspect to how you have so many of those bands that john Dell play songs they're like 45 seconds a minute or two minutes and i know not all bands like that but i guess that kind of brevity affected how i did a lot of these recordings I can never sort out that idea of you having a punk attitude. <laughs> okay, it let me guess. There. If you have tattoos, they're all delicate instead of just the skull and crossbones. Unfortunately, I do not have any tattoos, though. Oh, man, you do stand out from the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I do. I mean, I think the craziest thing I've ever done was like have my left ear pierced, but even then it like closed up in a matter of like months though i feel like that was as venturous as i go i don't know if i'll get a tattoo in the future i'm personally not too sure it just personally wasn't my thing i have a lot of respect for tattoo artists don't get me wrong though but i just don't know if at this point in my life i'm ready to have one right now <laughs> i'm gonna go on a limb here you know how small guys compensate for their height by being aggressive can I guess that you're tall and that you're actually compensating by doing short poetry? You would actually guess right about that. <laughs> I'll even tell, I'll even put this on record. I'm six foot two, by the way. You definitely tower above me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm usually one of the taller people in the room, like most places I go. <laughs> <laughs> and is the short form of poetry compensating for that height? I never really thought of it that way, though, but there's also part of me that wants to write some 10 or 12 minute epic and just kind of, I don't want to say match my height, but just kind of be something that's completely an inverted expectation if someone's used to like the stuff I've released so far. <laughs> then why not go for a longer story? I'm definitely open to that. I just don't know what that story would look like now. <laughs> well, let's get into more of your stories. Your debut EP, Versus versus Anhedonia, came out just over a year ago. It's full of sad stories. Was that yes. what you intended to pull out? Um, yes, intentionally, I guess, which explains the second half of the title, the Anhedonia thing. Relax, I'm not diagnosed with that. But like with that word, I think before I came out with the um, EP, I found out about that word 
earlier that year how it's a, a psychological state where someone experiences no pleasure, like no joy, whether they're in social situations or doing hobbies or something like that, too. And I was like, wow, this is actually pretty lacrimose if you really think about it. So, <laughs> And then I had these uh, poems, some of which I've actually had for a few years. But I realized that there was an overarching theme with some of them, too. And I also, I just had to be honest, I'm not someone who's going to be like, oh, happy, happy, joy, joy. Yeah, I can't believe I use a Red and Stimpy reference right there. But um, <laughs> uh, but just saying like, oh, I just, I'm just so happy. Nothing's wrong for me and stuff like that. Um, no, I'm, I'm not like that. If I'm going to be angry or depressed, like I'll tell you straight up about it, though. But at the same time, it's also a weakness of mine where I feel like I've internalized a lot of that um, sorrow and anger and stuff like that. I mean... Like, growing up in school, I felt like I wasn't allowed to be sad or wasn't allowed to be angry. Or even if I were to talk to someone, like, no one would um, really listen to me. And, yeah, I'm really sorry if this got, like, really, really sad, like, all, all of a sudden, though. But, like, it has been a lingering thing. And I felt like I needed a form of catharsis. And I just turned those poems into the stuff I put on the EP. So it was with my verses, poetic verses versus vs period whatever anhedonia or sadness that i felt obviously you're aware that the antidote gets into music from a christian viewpoint mm -hmm. you also share about that on osper shire's servile fear yes. theophobia mm -hmm. can you tell us about the track yeah of course it's technically two poems i just smushed together into one track <laughs> um I guess with that combination of poems, it just started kind of like having this fear of God, but I feel like it was the wrong kind of fear, if that makes sense. Not like a fear as in, oh, you have to like respect and stuff like that. But for me, it was just like, it was like cowardice or felt that I had to be in pure, pure servile mode where I felt like I had to do this or do that or in fear that, let's say, God would be angry, which kind of like segues into the second part of that track theophobia the fear the irrational fear of god like that fear that like he was gonna punish me if i did something wrong or anytime i did something wrong whether i did something bad or like get punished or something i feel like did i really deserve this like am i that bad a person or does he just not like me and stuff because i feel like i cannot make something that goes oh like i feel like i love god like all the time it's like no i feel as though I feel like I, I've just been doing bad things. There have been some times where I feel like I've been doubtful and I feel like maybe just like he, he didn't love me. And I guess that, that particular track kind of focused on some of those feelings that I had for the longest time. Now I'm a lot better about it too. Don't get me wrong, but I, it's still a work in process like that though. I just had to be honest with some of the darker aspects of spirituality that I face for the longest time. So then you've found your faith to be a struggle. Yes. And how do you pull out of that? It's a really good question. Um, I know I'm not going to, like, I have the, all the answers or anything, but I just know that there have been some positive things that have happened to me. There, and I will admit, there are some times I've definitely discounted that. Um, but things have been getting a lot, a lot better, especially since, like, at, at that point. It's that acceptance that bad things can and will happen to people, but at the same time, I can't ignore 
any positivity though. I have to have like a healthy sense of realism and take the good with the bad and vice versa. Yeah. Well, I, I still have a lot to work on though, but compared to where I was two years ago, five years ago or 10 years ago, I feel so I'm a lot better, but I'm definitely far from being <laughs> this perfect person. Like I'll even tell you straight up, I'm not some kind of a saint. <laughs> <laughs> you do bring out a redemptive view on the closing track, osteopathic mutation purposeful yes this was definitely the most purposeful and easily the most positive track on the album i didn't want it to have like some super happy or corny ending like something out of a disney movie though but i wanted to have a more realistic thing where there is hopefulness and while yes there is gonna be darkness to wherever i go i have to earn that happy ending to make sure that i am not a victim Sure, I have I been victim in other situations even after I wrote that poem. Of course I have. I'm not going to lie to you. But the thing is, I have to just like keep fighting and not, because I know that happy ending is not going to be handed to me. I went and hunted on social media for both you and Ospreyshire. And it's like, you're invisible. How <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can anyone exist on this world without at least being on Facebook? Yeah, that's a very good uh, thing that you bring up, though. I mean, I do have an online presence. I mean, I do blog a ton with four different pages. You know, two of them are on hiatus right now, though. I mean, I used to be on social media, but with social media, I saw way too much drama and so much, like, unsavvy political stuff and just hatred. I just felt like I needed to just cash out at that point. <laughs> I don't know. I just wasn't... Uh, fan of like facebook i mean grant I used to have facebook i used to have uh twitter and stuff but i felt like blogging has been way helpful for me and not having social media i've been way more productive in everything i do whether it's work whether it's my fiction projects whether it's uh even doing that whole osprey shire thing or even just doing um film reviews and other projects i feel like i have way more positive things to do than just changing my status every five minutes or like seeing <laughs> selfies or just seeing stupid memes and stuff but full of blogging sure you do have some social media aspects which i think we can all agree on though but i think it's different because i feel as though I've had some like different subjects controlling four pages. In theory, I can turn any of them into a website if I pay some domain fees, obviously. But um, I don't want to say I'm doing this just to be contrarian, but there are some times I'm kind of proven right, especially with the whole like Facebook um, data breach thing that happened recently. Like There's this mass deletion of accounts that have been going on. Interesting enough, they've been migrating to Twitter. Coincidentally, <laughs> though. <laughs> I'm not that I'm advocating Twitter, but I'm just saying that they, let's say they've been getting a lot more business and uh, user <laughs> frequency over there, too. So in a way, I was kind of proven right. But um, no, I'm more comfortable with just blogging on WordPress and different pages. So. And it's also, um, <laughs> I will say that was, was that one quote I heard. Um, I remember seeing this interview with... Um, Jeremy Irons, where I remember him saying, hold on, I got to imitate his voice for the full effect. <clears throat> Social media is one of the most frightening things ever. <laughs> 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 where he said that on an interview where he's talking about like, how people can be really stupid on Facebook. I'm like, wow, it's actually kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess one thing about social media is that it's short and it's brief and it's to the point. But now when you do a blog, that takes up a lot more time. 
And I can't figure out, where do you find the time to do your poetry, your writing, the blogging, Osprey Shire, and you've got two jobs? Yeah, that that's actually a really good question. I feel like time management is definitely um, integral in me managing everything, though, because um, I have four blogs. I have the Osprey Shire one. I also have Autumn Peel Media, where I had like my photography and videography. Um, CMB Bell Fiction, obviously, where I do my writing stuff, even though it's mostly microfiction and my the first draft, so to speak, of my cell phone novel on there. And Iridium I, where I do film reviews of indie films, uh, foreign films, documentaries, short films, anime, and non-mainstream Western animation. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> You need to help me with my time management skills. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be interesting. I mean, I don't, like I, said, I don't know like what you do like with your schedule outside of the antidote. So I try to schedule some things like with Osprey and Iridium. I, those are kind of like my big blogs that I focus on. Like Osprey I post Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So you know, just every other day and stuff. And I'll comment on some other people's. And then with Iridium I, where I do my film reviews. I have three reviews posted every Saturday. Like, they're all preset and everything. Sometimes I'll do, like, some random posts off schedule, which is fine if it's just, like, once in a blue moon. And it's also kind of funny with with um, the current Skype picture I have on my profile that is a uh, reference to the 60s anime series Kimba the White Lion, which I also reviewed on Iridium Eye, and I reviewed two other aspects of that uh, franchise. And that was one of the reasons I did where I felt like I had to be brave and like not deal with any controversy from fans of a certain other <laughs> movie franchise, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> so you brought up about Japanese styles of poetry and yep. anime. Why the connection with Japan? Well, I will admit, I used to be a hardcore otaku when I was in high school, and I recently got back into anime a few years ago, and I do review some of that stuff. But, um... It was kind of funny because I thought when I was a teenager, now granted, I wasn't like nowhere near as mature as what I am now. But I just like, oh my gosh, these Japanese like cartoons are so cool and stuff. And some of them I'll still watch to this day. Some of my favorite series are um, Hibane Reme, Technolize. I'm, yeah, I'm a huge Yoshitoshi Abe fan. I'm not going to lie about that. Uh, Hikaru Nogo, like I used to have like all the manga of that. So that was really cool. And I've also been getting some other things too, but also in high school i took community college classes in japanese so and i used to be like semi-fluent in that it's not so much now but of course i still remember some things like meaning hello my name is curtis nice to meet you in that language (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay then i've proposed a whole new outlet for your creative talent why don't you go (laughs) j-pop Oh my goodness, I do like some J-pop. <laughs> I just I gotta be honest with you right there, but um I don't know if I could ever go in that way. But I think I might reference like some anime things like down the road though. But even like in some like Kata Udo videos, like I would wear some of the things like I remember wearing a um a Habne Reme shirt once. Um I even showed a Battle Royale shirt, aka the original Hunger Games. Um <laughs> and obviously I wore my uh Kimba the White Lion hat, like, a, a couple times, though. So that was just kind of fun explaining, especially to Disney fans, where right? they're like, wait, you mean Simba? I'm like, no, I'm talking about Kimba, and he's been around decades before the Lion King, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on that, like, argument. Like, I will go off on that. 
But um, but the thing is, I do, even though I will admit I was a bit, a lot of a Japanophile, like, like looking at some of the poetic forms, which still inspire me, and some of the anime and live action stuff, but I enjoy films from, like, all different countries, because with Iridium Eye, I've reviewed stuff from, um, from England, also, like, American independent films, I reviewed a couple stuff from Argentina, uh, Ecuador, which is the only other country I've been to besides um, America, by the way. Um, I've even reviewed a few Canadian films, too. Well, I know I've really been into some of the Korean films, too. Nice, yeah. I've, I've seen some Korean stuff, not as much as the Japanese stuff, obviously, but I've seen a few. I recently saw a documentary a few weeks ago, and it was filmed directly in South Korea. It was called um, My Love, Don't Cross That River. It's about um, this elderly couple that was actually filmed in um, in the same province where Pyeongchang is, where they just had the Winter Olympics. The obvious question's got to come. What's next for Ospreyshire? I'm really glad you asked that. <laughs> okay. I, I just feel like it's kind of funny. Before I give you my answer, I made a little uh, statement yesterday on uh, the Ospreyshire blog saying that I wasn't going to say what I'm just going to do next. And I guess this will kind of be my little secrets the world if you will of what i'm going to do next kind of to strengthen my discography if you can see where i'm going with this mm-hmm. i am actually going to give myself an imposed challenge to write an album but i want it to be different from the stuff i have been putting on the compilations and also with versus versus anhedonia ep <laughs> i want to try to see how many songs I can record in a span of one day, whenever I have a day off, obviously. But I want to use some more uh, organic instrumentation mixed in with some of the acousmatic, so kind of like an acousmatic acoustic album. I'm still coming up with a lyrical concept to match everything, but um, that is going to be my next goal as Osprey Shire, outside of my other creative pursuits. <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. That does sound like a challenge. Yes, it does. I mean, I do enjoy giving myself uh, creative challenges. Like, part of me is kind of used to it, whether it's like doing music or even doing NaNoWriMo like for the past few years for my uh, writing projects. <laughs> Curtis, thanks so much for coming on The Antidote. It's been great finally having a chance to have a talk. Yes, likewise. I'm glad that you were able to give me this interview and wanting to have a conversation with me. I, I really appreciate that.